0: March 17th, ribbon cutting. You need to clear your calendar for that day, but also April the 7th through the 10th. It is really incredible that we have nailed down all of those speakers and artists that you saw for that one week, April the 7th through the 10th. I, I, here's what I'll say about it. I think it's going to be the greatest week in the history of our church, and I'm I'm excited about it. Hit your neighbor and tell them, clear your calendar. All right. All right. Uh, but we got work to do today. I got a lot of work and, and not a lot of time. Uh, we are in week number three of You Make Me Crazy, uh, a series on relationships today. Uh, and we, we've done two weeks so far. We talked about peace in our relationships. And then last week we talked a lot about dating. Uh, today I want to talk to you about this thought. Uh, I want to I call this dealing with the crazy makers. Dealing with the crazy makers. Uh, Before I get too far into the message, I want to give you a list of six of the six most common crazy makers that we experience that we have in our life. Now, we, we live in the same neighborhoods as these people. We work with some of these people. We go to church with some of these people. Eyes forward. Eyes forward. Don't embarrass them. But I'm going to give you uh, six categories real quick. This is not all of them, but this is a large part of them. And we're just going to go through these. And then I'm going to give you six responses that we need to have for the crazy makers. So it's going to be very practic- practical today. Not so preachy, but, but a little more teachy today. Uh, the first category is the, the demanding crazy makers. These are the little dictators of life. The little Napoleons. They're bossy, they're pushy, they're controlling, they're intimidating, they dominate every conversation that they are engaged in. They push, 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 and they drive us crazy. All right, that's the first category. Second category is disapproving crazy makers. These are the nitpickers. They are picky, 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 times picky, picky, picky. They're always picking on something. They are highly critical. Your best is never good enough with these people. They always want more. They're usually negative. They tend to be judgmental and unpleasable. They are perfectionists by nature, and they love to point out your mistakes. How many would admit those folk drive you crazy just a little bit? Some of y'all are afraid to even raise your hand. I understand. I understand. I get it. Number three category, uh, deafening crazy makers. These are the loud mouths. They're just loud. Not only are they loud, they like to hear themselves talk. And they talk at about 120 decibels all the time. If you have a friend that falls into the deafening, crazy maker category, it's the kind of person that when they call you, you could put the phone on speaker, lay it down as they talk, go do things for 10 minutes, come back, and they're still talking, and they don't even know you left the conversation. All right? These are the deafening crazy makers. They, they drive you crazy. They like to talk. And, and finally, with these people, you just give up, right? You just like, you win. You win. Because I can't out-talk you. Fourth category, destructive crazy makers. These are the people who have uncontrolled anger. These people are volcanoes. Um. It's very easy to see these people. The, the problem is you just never know when they're going to erupt and, and burn up everything in their path. You, a lot of times with people like that in your life, whether that's a family member, a boss, a friend, what, whatever it is, we walk on eggshells around them because we never know what's going to push them over the edge in another outburst of anger. The fifth category are the discontented crazy makers. These are the people who... Get their feelings hurt very easily um, they're they're very touchy they they um, they whine a lot. I hate to use the term, but they are the crybabies okay they're going to play the victim card all the time they they they're constantly throwing a pity party right they're they they're always the victim somebody's always done them wrong somebody's always offended them they're just they're just touchy you know you you got to be careful with them. The sixth category are the demeaning crazy makers. These are the smart mouths. Y'all just smile and look ahead, all right? <laughs> the smart mouths are the ones that are always running off at the mouth. They're usually rude, insulting. These people are the classic bubble busters. You, you got a dream and you're, you're explaining it and then they just poke holes in it. You know what I'm talking, they just, they're, they're demeaning, they're rude, they're insulting. Um, And what we need to know, and before I get into the six responses we need to have to the crazy makers, is that when people are continually rude or insulting all the time, always rude or or crude, whatever term you want to put on it, usually it's because they have enormous insecurities. Can I say that again? People that are rude all the time have enormous insecurities. And the more insecure a person is, the more rude they tend to be, all right? Does that make sense to everyone? So I want to give you six responses to all the crazy makers in your life. These crazy makers are what we would would call difficult people. How many know that we have to do life with difficult people, right? Like there's no way around it. There's difficult people in our lives. So how do we respond to those difficult people? Point number one You have to make a decision to refuse to be offended. You have to refuse to be offended. Did you know that offense is a or being offended is a choice? Being offended. You hear Christians all the time, I'm offended. You chose that. You say, well, you don't know what they did to me, Pastor, and I don't know what they did to you, but I still know that it's a choice to be offended. They may have done you wrong. They may have said the wrong thing about you or to you. They may have hurt you, but you have to choose to be offended. And what what we need to know, the, the, the reason we can do that, the reason we can choose not to be offended is that when people are rude or they're saying hurtful, harmful things, that speaks more about them than it does you. They're hurtful, hateful words, it's not, even if it's degrading about you, it's not saying anything about you. It's really revealing who they are, okay? It's revealing who they are. And the thing that we need to know about being offended, there's a lot in life you could be offended about, like real things, like human trafficking, racism. Those are some things that we ought to be offended by. But when it comes to personal relationships, do you know what God says about offense? Get over it. When it comes to personal relationships, God says, get over it. Choose not to be offended. Don't allow someone's words, actions, behaviors to push you into offense. God says, get over it. And so we have to ask ourselves, do I go tit for tat with people? If they insult me, do I insult back? If they're degrading to me, do I, am I degrading back? If I fall into that, I am no better than they are, all right? many? I mean, there, there should be a difference for those who follow Christ, who say that Jesus has saved us and we are following him. We should be different, and one of the keys to happiness in life, and I want you to, if you don't get anything else, please get this and write it down, take it home, pray over this. One of the keys to happiness in life is that we pray and we say, God, give me a tender heart, and a tough hide. We get it backward in the church. We usually get hardened hearts, and we're thin-skinned. How many know that to follow Jesus and to live a happy life, you're going to have to develop some thick skin? You're going to have to be a person that refuses to be offended. That's one of the things I'm telling you, I get frustrated that every day I'm offended. I'm offended. Well, so I'm offended. Get over it, God says. Don't be that person that chooses offense. Offense is a choice. The other w- reason as to why we can choose not to be offended is that when it comes to a crazy maker, you have to consider the source. They're crazy. They're difficult. I can move on and not be offended. Now, let's get into some scriptures about this. Proverbs twelve sixteen. When a fool is annoyed, he quickly lets it be known. Wise people will ignore an insult. Circle the word wise. If you're wise, he says you ignore insults. But if you respond to an insult with an insult, if you get angered quickly and you let everybody know that you're angry, God says that's foolish. That wise people can actually ignore an insult. I think part of the reason why wise people can ignore insults is because wise people understand that 99% of the time when people are rude or hateful or saying hurtful things, it's not even about you. There is something underneath all that. There's something else they're dealing with. there's, There's something we can't see. There's a hidden pressure that we don't know about. And so I would just encourage you that if somebody rubs you the wrong way this week, take a step back and maybe ask you, maybe they just got up on the wrong side of the bed. Maybe they've been fighting with their spouse all week long. Maybe they filed for bankruptcy. How many of, We don't know what people are going through and why they act the way they act. But we do know the scripture says that wise people know how to ignore an insult. Ignore an insult. Check this out in Proverbs 19 and 11. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. To overlook it. Wisdom gives us patience. It, it, it also gives us perspective. When you understand somebody's background and, and maybe even their current stress level, you're able to show grace. You, have you ever just somebody said something angry or hurtful, maybe harmful to you, or acting uh, in, in a way that wasn't like them, and, and you were able in the moment to take a step back and say, that's not them. There's something else going on. They, they don't mean that. And so we have to recognize those moments, and, and wisdom makes us patient. It gives us proper perspective. Proverbs 10, verse 12, love overlooks the wrongs that others do. Love overlooks the wrongs that others do. I, I don't even have to elaborate. You can take that one to the bank right there. Number two, so number one, I'm not going to be offended. Number two, I'm not waiting for an apology to forgive them. Well, I know as Christians, Pastor, I'm supposed to forgive, and I will when they come and apologize. I promise I will. I'll forgive them if they make it right. But they they owe me an apology. They need to set this thing right. The problem with that is that we are still holding on to a hurt, and the other side of the coin is they may never come and apologize they may never come and say, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. And, and what I have found a lot of times when we are hurt by someone, a lot of times they don't even know what they did to hurt us. They don't even really know like what set us off. And so we're saying, I'll forgive if they apologize and they're just living life and now you've become resentful and bitter because you're waiting for an apology. Don't wait for an apology. You have to decide on this end, I'm going to forgive whether, whether they apologize or not. Now, forgiving someone does not mean, I want you to hear this, doesn't mean that I have to forget that it happened. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting, all right? You will always remember what happened. But what we have to understand about forgiveness is, I may remember it, but what I'm doing is that I'm taking it out of my heart so that I don't become bitter and I'm placing it in God's hands. I'm going I'm to let God handle this. Jesus said this in the most extreme circumstance. He's hanging on the cross, and in Luke 23, he, he looks at those uh, up to the Father, and he speaks about the ones who have nailed him to a cross, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus didn't wait on an apology. He didn't wait on anybody to make it right. He was saying, Father, I forgive them for they don't know. And oftentimes, when people have rubbed us the wrong way or said something painful or hurtful to us, it's because they are, they are hurting themselves. How many hurt people always hurt people? Like people that are offended go around offending people. People that are bitter want others to be bitter. It just comes with the territory. So we have to be forgiving. And, and if we have a hard time forgiving someone, let me remind you of how much God forgave you of. Let me remind you of that. That's a great place to start, right? Colossians 3.13, you must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. That term make allowance in the Greek literally means to endure, to be tolerant, and to bear with. What it means is that you should cut people some slack. Cut people some slack. Don't hold it over their head. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. If we want God's mercy, we need to give mercy. So I'm not going to be offended with the crazy makers. All right? I'm not waiting on an apology. Number three, I refuse to gossip about them. Now, this one is a stinger in the church because let's just admit it. When you got a crazy maker in your life, somebody that's doing something hurtful to you, the first thing we want to do is get on the phone and call and tell somebody what the crazy maker is doing. If not that, while they're acting crazy, we're texting somebody about how they're acting crazy, right? Like the boss man has lost his mind and we're texting somebody about the crazy maker. And, and the reason we do that is because we want validation, when difficult people are being difficult, we want to be validated. We, we want someone to affirm us, to say, yeah, you're right, they are acting crazy. But the problem is, is that the definition of gossip is anytime I share information with someone who is not part of the problem or part of the solution, I have now stepped into gossip, and God hates gossip. How often do we tell people? what's going on, and they're not part of the problem, and they're not part of the solution. And yet we're sharing information because we want validation. If not validation, what we want is retaliation. So instead of going to their face and retaliating, we, we retaliate by talking about them behind their back. That is our way you know, you know the old saying, don't, don't get mad, get even, right? And the way we get even is we go behind their back to gossip about them. Proverbs 17 and 9 says, disregarding other people's faults preserves love. But gossiping about them separates close friends. See, the, the worst part of gossip when it, when it comes to a difficult person in your life is that when we gossip, they are now winning, the crazy person, is now winning because we have fallen into the trap of gossip. You say, well, how are they winning by me gossiping? Because now they are dominating your conversation. Now they are controlling your emotions. You're spending all day on Facebook and and texting people about what they did to you. They have controlled an entire day, an entire week, for some people, years. A crazy maker has controlled years because we have fallen into the trap of gossip. Is this all right? Is this painful? So I refuse to gossip. Not, I'm not going to be offended. I'm not waiting on an apology. First Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Do not do wrong to repay a wrong. And do not insult to repay an insult. But repay with a blessing because you yourselves were called to do this so that you might receive a blessing. God's saying that the way we respond to difficult people a lot of times is literally blocking the blessing in our life. Not what they did is blocking it. How we respond to what they did is blocking it. And God wants to bless you. Number four, refuse to play their game. You have to refuse to play their game. Um, Crazy makers love to argue. They love to debate. They like to be on the social media platforms where the thread is seven miles long of everybody going back and forth. They, they love that, and we fall into that trap, and, and we think that through reason, and I, I really hope you can get this, we think sometimes as followers of Christ and, and people that are trying to be more wise in our relationships, we think that we can reason with a crazy maker. That, that if, if I could just debate for a few minutes and lay out the facts, it would change them. But you can't talk somebody out of a position that did not arrive at that position through reason. Because a lot of crazy makers are not taking the stand they're taking because of reason. They're taking the stand they're taking because of emotion. And a lot of times they will attach a reason to their emotion just to give it some validation. But you can't, you can't reason with people who did not end up there through reason. They ended up there through emotion. And so we, we waste a lot of energy debating and arguing and laying out facts to people that didn't arrive at that conclusion through reason. Does that make sense? Like we, we've got to, we got to hit the time out button and, and realize that we can't reason people out of their stance sometimes. You, you can't, how many read some Facebook threads that are 29 miles long? of people going back and forth, laying out facts, laying out the reason why they feel the way that they do. You got to learn to overlook some stuff. You got to learn to say, you know what? It's more important that I keep my peace in mind than it is to change your position. I'm preaching real good, and I know when I'm preaching real good because it's really quiet. (laughs) It's really quiet. We, We refuse to play that game. And... You you need to go ahead and discover this now. Don't don't waste any more time. People are either going to like you or not like you. What's the big deal? Some people are going to like you, and if they like you, watch this, they look for reasons to like you. But if they've already made up their mind they don't like you, how many know? They look for reasons as to why they don't like you. And so you got to be okay with that. And Jesus teaches us a very valuable lesson when it comes to crazy makers who may not like us because he had a lot of people that did not like him, even as the Son of God. And one of the groups that did not like him, they were called Pharisees. And they didn't like Jesus because he did miracles on the Sabbath and you know, did, did things that they thought were breaking the rules. And we, we look at this scripture in Matthew chapter 22. Look at, look at this. It says, The Pharisees plotted a way to trap Jesus into saying something damaging. I want to stop right there and just ask you, how many people have, have trapped you? Or set, set a trap for you? Or, or led you to say something damaging because you didn't pause for a minute? Check this out. Jesus knew what, that they were up to no good. And he said, why are you playing these games with me? Why are you trying to trap me? Jesus is saying, I'm not falling for that. I'm not falling into the trap that you have set for me. As I've said, people are going to believe what they want to believe about you. And you got to be okay with that. Prejudice has its own reasoning. And you can't reason with Prejudice. All right, you can't talk people out of a logical thing. Like, like if it's a logical thing, but they're emotional. There's no use to have that conversation. We have to understand that. And so, with that, Neil Stevenson he made this statement. He said, "Arguing with anonymous strangers on the internet is a sucker's game." Wow, it's a sucker's game. How I many? There's nobody going to win that. Also, another quote from Thomas Paine from the American Revolution. He said this, To argue with a person who has renounced the use of reason is like administering medicine to the dead. (laughs) Why don't we just go ahead and learn the lesson and not be pulled into those traps? Not be pulled into those conversations. In other words, it's a waste of breath. Don't play the game. Jesus didn't play the game. Proverbs 26, 21, just as charcoal and wood keep a fire going, a quarrelsome person keeps an argument going. How many of you, It takes two people to argue. So if you drop out, then the fire dies. The argument dies. But somebody's got to be the bigger person. Somebody's got to say it's not worth the energy. I'm not playing the game. I want to help out just for a moment because we're talking about quarrelsome people. Uh, If you're a business owner and you have a quarrelsome person on your team, I'm going to help you right now. Somebody's going to be mad at me for this, but I'm going to go ahead and help you. Fire that person quickly. Quarrelsome people become contagious. And it goes from one person being quarrelsome to, to two, to three, to four, it's contagious. So don't put up with that. Deal with that quickly. The Bible says uh, t- that we should do that over and over. That, I'll, I'll say it like this. The other people on your team deserve a peaceful environment. All right, Proverbs 22.10. Throw out the mocker, and you'll be rid of tension, fighting, and quarrels. Look at God's word to, to pastors in Titus 3.10. He says, talk once or twice to a person who tries to divide people into groups against each other. If he does not stop, have nothing to do with him. So this is, this is Paul telling to pastor. he's saying, uh, if somebody's causing divisions, if they're quarrelsome and they're always putting people against one another, talk to them one time, talk to them two times. After that, get rid of them. Kindly invite them to attend another church. All right, let's, we're moving on. Number five. Number five, refuse to cave in. And I, I believe that this point is going to help some people today. Refuse to cave in. Do not allow people to manipulate your life. God never said one time in his word for you to be a doormat. God never said one time in his word for you to allow people to walk over you, to control you, or to manipulate you. The Word of God does not teach that at all. And there's a lot of Christians that fall into the trap of of becoming a doormat for people because through their manipulation and control, we, we eventually just give in, right? And give them their way. That's unloving to you. That's unloving to God. And listen, that's unloving to the person that's doing that to you. Do not be a doormat for anyone. Don't cave in. And when it comes to the issue of forgiveness, because we just hit that, a lot of people say, Well, well, Pastor, you just taught us to forgive. You know, how am I supposed to, to deal with that? Forgiveness and trust are not the same thing. I can forgive you and never bring you back to a place of trust. And what I mean by that, I don't have to forgive you for hurting me and then keep letting you hurt me. Does that make sense to anybody? Forgiveness, forgiveness is, is instant by grace. Trust is by works, and it takes time. So somebody can be forgiven immediately, but may not be restored to trust for a long time. Right? Does that make sense? Some of you are like, man, we just get this one over. So I can forgive you. That doesn't mean I'm going to trust you. The Bible says, don't cave in to the crazy makers. Romans 14, 16, do not allow what you consider good to be spoken evil of. So the Bible says you need to speak up. Don't cave in. Don't be afraid to deal with a crazy maker when, when the time comes to deal with a crazy maker. And don't, don't mistake meekness for weakness. Because we are called to be meek, but being meek defined by the Word of God, means strength under control. That's meekness. It's a term they used to train wild stallions, strong horses that were out of control, and they would, they would break them and train them so that the master could then ride that stallion. But the question is, is, did the stallion, once it was broken and trained, did it lose any of its strength? Absolutely not. It was just trained. So meekness is strength under control. That means I I can deal with things and not lose my mind. I don't have to go into an outburst of anger to make my point. It's strength under control. Paul actually told the Corinthian church, he wrote two letters to them and he fussed at them because they were allowing people to walk over top of them. Check this out in 2 Corinthians 11.20. He says, you let people make slaves of you and cheat you and steal from you while you even let them strut around and slap you in the face. That's the, the contemporary English version of that. The NIV says this, you even put up with anyone who enslaves you or exploits you or takes advantage of you or pushes himself forward or slaps you in the face. Paul is telling us, don't be anybody's doormat. Don't allow anyone to run over top of you. Not only happens with us, but again, it happened with Jesus. Look at Matthew 15. It says, the disciples came to Jesus and they asked him, Lord, do you realize that you offended the Pharisees by what you said? And Jesus replied, every plant not planted by my father will be rooted up, so ignore them. The disciples came to Jesus one day. Hey, Jesus, can you dial it back a little bit? Because you're so radical, you just offended a bunch of the religious crowd. Can we just tone that back, Jesus? Could you just dial it back a little bit? And Jesus responded with, every plant not planted by my Father will be rooted up. Watch this. So ignore them. Ignore them. Don't become a a, a doormat for anyone. Ignore them. Number six, as the worship team comes back, number six, always take the high ground. Always take the high ground. This one is so important. Always do the right thing. How many would admit that's not always easy? Sometimes we want to do the wrong thing. Sometimes when they insult us, we want to go online and insult them. Sometimes when they when they say bad things about us, we want to say bad things about them. We trade insult for insult and, and blow for blow and and the scripture teaches us in context when you when you look at the bible as a whole it teaches us that when they respond in anger and they're stingy and they're rude that you and i are called to continually respond in kindness and generosity that we respond with peace that we 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 cannot control what people say to us we can't control what people say about us, but the one thing we can control is how we respond to what's be, being done to us. And I'm, I, I believe with all my heart, part of spiritual maturity and emotional maturity is all about how we respond to difficult people. If I can respond appropriately to difficult people, it's, it's a sign that I'm growing up emotionally and spiritually. Romans chapter 12, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Take the high road. We could could cross out the word persecute right there, and we could put in there, bless those who make you crazy. Bless those that, that drive you nuts. Ask God to bless those people. Why do we do that, Pastor? Because real love means I can love the unlovable. Real love means that I'm kind to people that are not kind. I wonder who you're going to run into this week that you know they've said harmful things about you. Maybe they've done it to you. But this week, instead of responding the way they do, you're going to kill them with kindness. Watch this. There's a verse that I'm getting ready to show you. I'm going to read two more in Romans, but there's one in Proverbs that I believe is a life-changing verse. Look at this in Romans 12. If someone has done you wrong, do not repay him with a wrong. Try to do what everyone considers to be good. Do everything possible on your part to live in peace with everybody. I believe the reason the Bible says do everything possible on your part to live at peace is because how many you can do everything right, but some people will never be at peace. So you're doing everything on your part, which means I I'm not going to wait on an apology. I, I'm not going to be offended. I'm not going to cave in. I'm going to take the high road. I'm going to do everything that I have control over, everything I have power over. All right. God says, do that. Make your best effort. Romans 12:21. do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What if we actually did what the Bible says to do when it comes to the crazy makers? What if we actually did what the Bible said to do with all the difficult people? And here's a verse for you, and this is going to help somebody today. The last one, Proverbs 16 and 7. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies live at peace with him. What a powerful verse that my enemies will be at peace with me if I can respond the right way. That if I can choose to overlook an offense, overlook a wrongdoing, not not give an insult back because I received one, but consistently take the high road to follow Jesus. I'm not saying any of those things we talked about today are easy, but I am saying it's possible. The Bible wouldn't tell us to do it if it was impossible. Hit your neighbor and tell them, you can do this. You can do this. I want you to stand to your feet. I know today's been difficult. I I know these were six difficult principles to follow with the crazy makers in our life, but I promise you God will honor your attempt. God will honor your attempt at this. I'm gonna ask today that you close your eyes, bow your head, nobody looking around for the next couple of moments. If you're in this place today and you're not in a relationship with Jesus, You need his grace and his forgiveness in your life. You need him to save you and you want to be saved. I believe that that is possible today. I believe the Holy Spirit is here. He can draw you into a relationship with Jesus. I'm gonna ask if that's you today and you, you wanna be saved, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, I need his grace and forgiveness. I wanna know Jesus as my Lord and savior. Anyone at all that would say that today in house if you're watching online, we would love to pray with you as well. Anyone at all, Amen. I'm going to ask the prayer team and staff to make their way forward. We're going to open up the altars for a time of prayer. If you need prayer today, please don't miss out on this this amazing opportunity. The Bible says, "There's power in agreement." How many would say today that you got something from the word of God to help you navigate relationships? Amen. Let's give God a praise for his word today. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.